Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And now the weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with an excellent chance of maximum refunds. Wait, that can't be right. Oh, but it is. Who are you? I'm April. And we could see refunds raining down all tax season with people switching to Tax Act. Tax Act? The tax filing software that makes it easy to file for less and get more. New forecast. It's sunny days ahead for everyone using Tax Act. Always happy to brighten your day. Tax Act. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See taxact.com for details. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart. Yes, we are back again on on a special Wednesday. Not so special because now we've done it two weeks in a row. But uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, and I'm here. I can't believe you actually came back a, a, on, a, on a weekday again. What? Yes, I know there's beer in the fridge. <laughs> Figure only so much alcohol could bribe you to come over, but white boy Malcolm X is here, folks. So we are excited to have him have him here as as well. And and white boy Malcolm X. Before I get started in our pile, and hopefully we're not going to run too long on today's podcast. Do you know what we missed today, white boy Malcolm X? We missed. He's one of our favorites. When we first started doing this podcast, we were tracking the uh, Senate's campaign of Ginger Kennedy. Um, he was he was going up. I called him. Was he Tweedledee or Tweedledum? Uh, Ed Markey was his opponent. This was during the uh, the Democratic primary, um, and unfortunately, uh, Ginger Kennedy lost. He's the only Kennedy to lose in the state of Massachusetts. But that dopey Ginger did it anyway, and he just he flailed out, and he was he's done. And Tweedle Tweedledum or Tweedledee, whichever Ed Markey was. He went on to win the uh, the general election like every good Democrat in the state does. And if memory serves me correctly, I was bitching because I had actually asked for an absentee ballot because I was going to vote in the Republican primary. But they sent me the Democratic ballot. <laughs> of course, that's in Massachusetts. They were like, that might that Republican request, that, that's probably a joke. Just put in the Democrat one. And so I got the um, the Democrat ballot and, and I threw it away because I'm not voting for Ginger Kennedy or uh, Ed Markey. I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I, just, I didn't vote in the primary, but I did in the general. Uh, they did send me the, they couldn't get out of it at that point, right? But, uh, oh, and White Boy Malcolm X, one other thing, we are not going to talk about Pornhub anymore. We've been, folks, we've been making jokes about, um, about the Pornhub release of data 
over the election period. And we were trying to figure out over the last couple of podcasts about what pop, Popeye porn was. I almost said popcorn porn, but what Popeye porn was. But um, I haven't read the New York Times in quite a while, but they had a vicious expose on Pornhub and apparently some child pornography site. Um, and so we're not going to talk about that anymore because I don't want to get in trouble with those sick. Not that I've been to Pornhub, but I don't want to get uh, in trouble for talking about a, a child pornography site. So they're they're not apparently in good graces uh, anymore. It's the it's the high school teacher of, of websites. Apparently it likes um, it likes underage children. Okay, yes, white boy Malcolm X, you're here. The gay stuff comes first. And uh, this is from page six, which is the New York Post gossip site. And here's the headline. Joe Exotic asks Kim Kardashian to help him get presidential pardon. And before I get started on this article, White Boy Malcolm X, I have a question for you. Who in this is dumber? No, you can't say Ty. And besides, it is a trick question. Who's dumber in this? Me, because I'm reading this stupid article. (laughs) We're not going to read the whole thing. I, I don't want your ears to bleed, folks. Joe Exotic, who we... No, and I wouldn't say love, but we we know Joe Exotic as the Tiger Queen on on this show, on this podcast. But Joe Exotic, the ex-zookeeper convicted of trying to hire a hitman to kill rival Carol Baskin, who is rumored to have killed her husband. (laughs) I love reading about white trash. But you know where she lives, White Boy Malcolm X? Very good. Yes, she does live in Florida. Is hoping Kim Kardashian can get him out of jail, a report said Tuesday. Exotic, whose story was made famous in the Netflix show Tiger Queen, penned a letter to Kardashian asking if she could help him score a pardon from President Trump, E.T. reported. And no, folks, that is, especially if you're listening from Florida, that is not E.T. the extraterrestrial. That is entertainment tonight. I know you have never met me and may never want to. However, I do believe that you hold the values of our justice system dear to your heart, reads the note dated November 4th. Please help me by just taking 10 minutes out of your life and placing a call to President Trump to look at my 257-page pardon he wrote, according to E.T. Again, not the alien. 257 pages, white boy Malcolm X. Jesus, that queen can write. It's And his, his, here's his quote continues. It's all the evidence. I'm innocent and ask him to sign my pardon so I can return home to Dylan and my father. And Dylan, I believe, is his latest boy toy. The flamboyant felon, 53, is, you could say that again, is a year into his 22-year sentence in the failed murder-for-hire plot against Baskin, who runs a big cat zoo in Florida. Okay, well, there. That's it, folks. I was the dumb one for reading the article, and I'm done with the Tiger Queen. This is a Washington Blade article, and folks, if you are traveling, if you're able to sneak out of the United States and go somewhere, do not go to Turkey. And here's the headline, and this is why. ISIS threatens to attack Turkish LGBTQ organization. ISIS is decided they're going after the queens. A Turkish media report indicates members of the so-called Islamic State were planning to attack an LGBT organization in the country. CNN Turk last week. White boy Malcolm X, can can you picture? I want to actually watch CNN. Not that I watch CNN here, but I'd like to see what Turkey's version of CNN is. I'd like to see the... uh, the Turkish version of, uh, uh, what's uh, George Costanza? Uh, Brian Seltzer, Steltzer, something like that. I'd like to see the Turkish version of Don Lemon and, of course, my favorite, Fredo Kumo. 
Anyway, let's pick that back up. CNN Turk last week reported authorities arrested four ISIS militants in Ankara, the Turkish capital. The media outlet said the militants were preparing to attack the organization, but CNN Turk did not specifically identify which one. Police have also found lots of weapons and knives with them, and messages on their phone on how to plan the attack reported CNN Turk. CNN Turk, God, if I have to say that one more time, I'm just going to slam my head into this desk. Reported authorities found videos and pictures of the 2015 shooting inside the offices of the French satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo and other terrorist attacks for which ISIS has claimed responsibility. An LGBTQ activist in Lebanon told the Washington Blade in 2014 that ISIS militants once hanged a transgender woman by her breasts in a suburb of the Syrian capital Damascus. Reports from Syria also indicated that they also decapitated gay men. So white boy Malcolm X, you and I are definitely not going there. So there's that. Do not go to Turkey, folks, especially if you are a member of my tribe. This is a pink news story, white boy Malcolm X. <laughs> Good God. Listen to this headline. And this has to do with those, um, whatever those silly uh, monolith things that are popping up all over. Here's the headline. Trump supporters tear down mystery monolith because it's gay and they hate illegal aliens from Mexico or outer space. Trump supporters have torn down a mysterious monolith that appeared in California without explanation, declaring that it was gay. <laughs> I don't even want to know. Mysterious mirrored monoliths have been popping up and subsequently disappearing all over the world, from Romania to the Isle of Wight sparking theories that they could have been placed by aliens, artists, or a part of an elaborate ad campaign. On Wednesday, another monolith appeared in Atascadero, California, at a point equidistant from Los Angeles and San Francisco. I was just about to ask where that was. By the next day, the structure was gone, but this time the disappearance was less mysterious. According to the San Luis Obispo Tribune, a now-deleted live stream posted on the site dlive.tv showed a group of young Trump supporters dressed in camouflage and night vision goggles making a 500-mile trip to the monolith to tear it down. Folks, those are probably white supremacists, and we've been hearing a lot about those. Declaring that they were acting on direct orders of QAnon and President Trump himself, so they're definitely white supremacists, the young men can be heard saying they intend to tell the alien overlords they are not welcome while singing along to country music in the car and referring to the monolith as an alien obelisk and a pagan monument. Well, this is pink news, so I don't know whether... Okay, okay it's not... Um, it's not The Onion, but... The, <laughs> I don't know how much of this I'm going to believe. Again, this is pink news, so probably not much. But we'll just read it for the entertainment value. One of the men added, we're going on a 500-mile road trip to steal an effing monolith. That's how much we love Jesus Christ. Finally, reaching the monolith, one of the men said to the camera, Christ is king in this country. We don't want illegal aliens from Mexico or outer space. After pushing it over to shouts of F aliens, all my homies hate aliens, they then began kicking the mirrored structure. While the others put a wooden cross in its place, the man filming added, F this gay-ass monolith. Local officials. <laughs> so there you go, folks. There are a bunch of hillbillies in California who carry around a cross, and they go, if you put a monolith up in California, they're going to come kick it over, and they're going to put a cross, and they are going to express their love for Jesus. 
Local officials were upset that the group had decided to tear down what had quickly become a local landmark. Mayor Heather Moreno said in a news release, We are upset that these young men felt the need to drive five hours to come into our community and vandalize the monolith. I would charge them with a hate crime. But we're done with those those rednecks. This is from the Philadelphia Gay News. And here's the headline. Act up, Philly organizers demand solutions to affordable housing. So similar to Sunday's theme, everyone wants to get paid. Activists from several Philadelphia human rights groups united outside of Biden transition headquarters near the Queen Theater in Wilmington, Delaware, demanding affordable housing for people living with HIV, AIDS, and disabilities. Members of, listen to this parade of crazy white boy Malcolm X, Act Up Philadelphia, Black and Brown Queer and Trans Community Control of Health, Reclaim Philadelphia, Adapt Disabled in Action Philadelphia, Lilac Philadelphia, Housing Works Act Now, and AIDS and Put People First, exclamation point, PA, comprised the group that gathered on December 2nd, the day after World AIDS Day, which apparently White by Malcolm X, we miss, but we are both bad gays. Man, man, that is a lot. Can you see that pissing contest of grievance? Well, I've got HIV. Well, I'm the Tinks. God. All righty then. You folks have fun. Jamal Henderson of Act Up Philadelphia. Chelsea Cameron of Philadelphia Overdose Prevention Network. So apparently there are more groups there. Isaac Sazek of Applied Mechanics Theater Company and Jose DeMarco of Act Up Philadelphia and Black and Brown Queer and Trans Community Control of Health spoke at the demonstration. So Jose, man, he is in three groups, White by Malcolm X. He's got a lot of time on his hands. Act Up Philadelphia, Black and Brown Queer and Trans Community Control and Health. Good for you, Jose. Good for you giving back. In 2020, America is in the midst of several pandemics, Henderson said. Most obviously, COVID-19 is exploiting existing public health disparities. Oh, crap. White Boy Malcolm X, they, they uh, pulled the violin out and they're playing that tune again. And straining already strained resources. But on World AIDS Day, as on every day, we must not forget that America is still in the midst of an HIV pandemic. No, we're not. I mean, not really. I mean, <laughs> we're not. We're not. Seriously, White Boy Malcolm X, we are... We are I would say, I mean, HIV, back when you and I were, like, of age, like, early 20s, that's when it, like, killed people. That's when it was, like, a very, very serious illness, and that is when the uh, gay community, back, that's when they called it the gay community, um, not this LGBTQ plus thing, um, that's when they went and did a massive amount of of education and and the testing, and then all the medications started to come out, but there was a... uh, with our generation and, and, and the previous generations, there was a, I would say, a significantly more concerted effort to put the quash on this thing and to kind of change behaviors and, you know, the condoms at the doors of the gay bars and all sorts of um, of awareness campaigns to really kind of help tamp that down uh, and tamp the spread down and really get people to think differently about about how they approach you know the casual hookup that's part of of of, um, of of the gay community but but nowadays HIV has evolved from this this death sentence to you know I, I knew people who had to take like two or three pills a day every day and then it, it just evolved into this like 
a, a, a pill a day thing. If if you are HIV positive, it's just it's for for most people, the vast majority of people, it's a it's a pill a day thing. Um, I did know people that passed away. Uh, because at, at that time in the 90s, sometimes the medications were worse than the disease itself and they just they um, they were not able to make it. Um, but nowadays, it's just you get HIV and for the, for the most part, it's just a pill a day. So that is why you have these increases in HIV rates and you've got a bunch of millennial kids running around with HIV because the fear of it is, 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 isn't around. So if we've got a pandemic, if, if I don't disagree with them and say we've got a pandemic, it's because people are you know, just being deliberately lax about it. They, they don't care. They're going to they're gonna take the risk that, because what's the downside? A pill a day. That's all they have to do. It's like popping an aspirin in the morning. So the, the fear of anything worse than that, for most people, they're like, eh, I don't care. You know, I, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And if something happens, you know, come what may, I, I'll just take the pill. But anyway, let's pick back up. The activists alluded to recent research indicating that coronavirus infections and deaths were higher in cities without eviction bans than in cities with them. The relationship to accessible housing and coronavirus death prevention parallels that of accessible housing and HIV death prevention they found. The group called for Biden to institute a nationwide eviction reprieve. I don't think he can do that. Over 10,000 deaths could have been prevented just by stopping evictions, Henderson added. And that's not a surprise because as HIV activists, we have known for years that housing is health care. Housing reduces HIV morbidity by over 80%. So, of course, it's going to have the same impact on COVID. Well, here's an idea, folks. Why don't you let people get back to work so they can afford their housing? Okay, I'm done with that. I know it's going to get I know it's going to get myself frustrated with that one because they just want to get. I don't know who's going to pay for the housing the government. What are we, $30 trillion in debt on a national level? And and I can't wait to see what our taxes in Massachusetts are going to be over the next couple of years. But like New York is imploding. Um, all these states uh, with high debts. God, Illinois is another hot mess. California. There's no money to pay for this. And borrowing it is, is, is a temporary solution with a worse back end. This is our bridge story, White Boom Malcolm X, between the gay story and the race stories. I have some really entertaining race stories, but this one, not so much. It's written by a cranky lesbian. And this is from LGBTQ Nation. And apparently they forgot the plus. And here's the headline. I'm hesitant to get a coronavirus vaccine. Here's why. Black people are not largely anti-vaxxers, but the high level of hesitancy is understandable. And this is from the Reverend Irene Monroe. Massachusetts hospitals are filling up again, like those across the country. Many of the patients are Black and Latinx Americans, the demographic groups disproportionately slammed by the coronavirus pandemic. Another one that's got the violin out and playing the same tune. The good news is that a vaccine is just weeks away from distribution. The troubling question is, will Black and Latinx Americans show up to get one? And this white boy Malcolm X reminds me of a story we did um, about a a month or so ago. And it was where all the good white liberals wanted the BIPOC people. And BIPOC is what? uh, Black, indigenous, people of color, person of color, something like that, um, to go to the front of the the vaccine line. And I made the joke at the time that... that, um, you know, they had to, the white people had to get, go to the back of the COVID vaccine bus. And they, why do you get back, get, get to the back? Because, uh, you know, the white liberals were like, oh, I, I, I think we should, we should, um, 
we should let all the BIPOC people go because they have been systemically oppressed and, and they've been uh, unfairly treated and they've been disproportionately um, affected by this. So we should let them go. And now apparently this one's saying, uh-uh, we ain't doing that. We're not that dumb. Let Whitey go first. I am not feeling this vaccine, and I'm certainly not feeling like being in a guinea pig phase. Reverend Emmett Price shared with me on our podcast, All Revved Up. Oh, that's 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 cheeky. Two reverends, all revved up. Like many black ministers across the country, Price is not confident in telling his congregation to be the first in line for the vaccine. You are, folks, look, uh, Reverend Irene Monroe and Reverend Emmett Price, you are going to really upset some white liberals. <laughs> If you don't take, you've got to take that vaccine or they're going to get very upset with you. They're going to, their white guilt is going to grow exponentially because then they're going to, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, they're, they're, they're going to blame white supremacists. Price's skepticism about the COVID-19 vaccine is not a lone voice. His reservations about the vaccine derive from a history of hyper-experimentation on black bodies, the intergenerational trauma in result, and the continued health disparities that resonate to this day. In recognizing the high... Man, he didn't, they did not just get the violin out, White Boy Malcolm X. They brought the chamber orchestra for this one. In recognizing the high level of hesitancy among blacks to get vaccinated among her parishioners and the community at large, Reverend Liz Walker, the senior pastor at Roxbury Presbyterian Church, reached out to the country's most trusted voice on the issue, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Okay, I'm not reading anymore. I'm, <laughs> I am not dealing with... Anthony Fauci now, and then a bunch of reverends who are not going to take the, the COVID vaccine, or they're afraid to because of systemic racism and all the good white liberals who want them to. Speaking of not wanting to take a vaccine, this is from Campus Reform, and here's the headline. Cornell offers person of color exemption for flu vaccine requirement. And if you're not sure about Cornell, those are the folks that they renamed their entire English department to fight racism. They changed it from the English department to the Department of Literatures in English. That is how woke those folks are at Cornell. And now they're double woke because they're saying if you have any tone in your skin color, you don't have to take the flu vaccine. Students at Cornell University can use their status as a person of color to be exempt from the university's flu vaccine requirement. Well, that sounds like BIPOC privilege, white boy Malcolm X. Students who identify as... Listen to this, white boy Malcolm X, because this is you, because you're fake black, because you're white boy Malcolm X. Students who identify as black, indigenous, or as a person of color may have personal concerns about fulfilling the compact requirement based on historical injustices or current events, explains Cornell Health's vaccine requirement FAQ. I know, folks, because we just learned about the hyper-experimentation on black bodies an intergenerational trauma. So even if you were not a victim of hyper-experimentation, you're still traumatized. You can still be traumatized. Students can send a private message to Cornell Health in order to request a non-medical or non-religious exemption for the immunization. For more information, the FAQ links to a page, especially for students of color, which is meant to help minority students concerned about the flu vaccine requirement. And here's the quote from the website. We recognize that due to long-standing systemic racism and health inequalities in this country, individuals from some marginalized communities may have concerns about needing to agree to such requirements. For example, historically, the bodies of black, indigenous, or other people of color have been mistreated and used by people in power, sometimes for profit or medical gain. 
The university therefore considers it understandable that the current compact requirements may feel suspect or even exploitative to some BIPOC members of the Cornell community. And listen to this, white boy Malcolm X. This is how they end it. Nevertheless, Cornell strongly encourages minority students to receive immunizations. I suspect that is a that is a microaggression to exempt them and then suggest they get it. This is um oh this is an Antifa story and this is from I don't know how to pronounce his last name Bongino B O N G I N O I like get his I, I go to his website I, I just have never heard his name pronounced Bongino Bongino I don't know I apologize sir if you're listening I I don't mean to disrespect you uh. Love your, love your stuff, but uh, I just don't know how to pronounce your last name. So it's from the Bungino Report. That's what we're going to call it. I'm probably completely wrong. We're not going to take this. Antifa punks find out they crashed the wrong anti-lockdown protest. If you ever watch videos of Antifa getting violent, you'll quickly realize there is nothing impressive about them. They're not tough. They're not good at fighting. And that reminds me, White Boy Malcolm X, of Commander Red. And if you don't know who Commander Red is, he's one of these um, these dopey Antifa punk kids, millennial kids. And he was this ginger kid and he had like a flamethrower. <laughs> and he's walking around all tough and he called himself Commander Red. Well, the cops came up and they got him on the ground. And uh, he started to cry like a little bitch. <laughs> That's what they're all like. They're like a little bunch of, you know, emo boys. And they act all tough, and then you just pop them, you know, right in the face, and then they just they cry back to mama. They run back to mama's basement and and and, and cry. Similar to what I said about slapping what's his name on uh, on the last podcast that got me suspended from Twitter for twelve hours. But we're not going to talk about that. They're just willing to attack people if they dramatically outnumber them. Whenever Antifa members end up getting in fights with people without that huge numerical advantage, they inevitably get stomped. For example, look at the peaceful anti-lockdown protest organized by Representative Vicki Kraft in Washington this weekend. Washington has been running draconian lockdowns, and the idea of the protest was to encourage them to open up the state. Then Antifa showed up to start trouble. It did not go well for them. And <laughs> I watched that video. Damn, that was a that was a beatdown. Hey, good for whoever did it. I tell you what, though, you just gotta. I mean, I don't like to advocate violence, don't get me wrong, but if those kids show up and they're acting out like that and they're causing trouble and they're, you know, it's like every good father tells their son, don't start the fight, but make sure to finish it. This is from Sky News. Olympics 2024, breakdancing confirmed as new sport for Paris Games. Yes, folks, breakdancing is now... Well, when they added ballroom dancing a few years back, I, it, was, it was all downhill from there. But let's find out a little bit more about this. Breakdancing has been added as an Olympic sport for the 2024 Games being held in Paris. The decision was confirmed by the International Olympic Committee on Monday as it seeks to attract a younger audience to the historic competition. Other newly added sports include skateboarding, sport climbing, and surfing, all of which will debut at the delayed Olympics in Tokyo in 2021. Now, I can see surfing. I have no idea. I guess sport climbing is like rock climbing or something. And uh, I can marginally see skateboarding, I guess. It's not really a sport. It's just what, you know, dope smoking kids do to get around because they're too lazy to get their driver's licenses. The idea was proposed two years ago after trials at the 2018 Youth Olympics in Buenos Aires, Argentina, proved a success. At the youth games, the contestants faced each other in one-on-one dance-offs. 
And here are the winners, White Boy Malcolm X. Russian, Sergei Bumblebee, is his nickname, Chernyshev, won gold in the men's competition, while Japan's Ramu Ram Kaiwei topped the podium in the women's ladder. So I guess there are women, women break dancers. But look at this image, White Boy Malcolm X. What do you see there? I... <laughs> Cultural appropriation. Yes, folks. Hey, white people. Oh, and an Asian. Oh, listen to this. This is the these are the men's winners at the 2018 Youth Games. France's breakdancing silver medalist Martin Lejeune, Russian's gold medalist Bumblebee, and Japan's bronze medalist Nakarai Shiglex. And I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his last name. So it's a it's two white kids, a Frenchman and a Russian, and and a Japanese kid. So yes, White Boy Malcolm X, I think that is definitely cultural appropriation. According to the 2019 Olympic Program Commission report, an estimated 1 million people take part in breakdancing. <laughs> you people are nuts. The 2019 Red Bull BC One World Final had more than 50 million views across a number of online platforms. And they're probably all 50 million people just laughing at them. Logan Logistics Edra, a 17-year-old American dancer, said, I guess you have to have a nickname, White Boy Malcolm X. If, if you are a break dancer, you got to have some, some... So Logan is Logistics, and it's L-O-G-I-S-T-X. A 17-year-old American dancer said, it can resonate with a lot of people because hip-hop culture resonates with a lot of people. Hip-hop music resonates with a lot of people. White people, apparently. I'm not reading that anymore. I don't want to hear about cultural appropriation. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of race stuff here, White Boy Mac. I got one, two, three, four, five more race stories. God. Yes. Five more race stories. They're just entertaining to me today. I don't know why. There's just a lot of it in the news. This is a New York Post article. San Diego School District held white privilege training, told teachers, you are racist. <laughs> Can you see that? I used to live in San Diego. Well, I lived in San Diego, North County. I lived up in, uh, I was in Del Mar for a year. And then I was in uh, Cardiff by the Sea, which is just north of there. It's part of Encinitas. And uh, it was along the coast. I had a beautiful view of the ocean for, between the both houses. Both houses had ocean views. And it was, um, it was, it was lovely. I loved living in San Diego. I really, man, especially moving from San Francisco down there. I mean, you go from like the world's, crankiest people uh nastiest people in san francisco bay area and then you go down to san diego and it's like i was like I, they must all be smoking weed because they are the most mellow i mean especially compared to san, uh, san francisco the most mellow group of people and uh, i still have good friends down there and i need to get back there but i'm afraid to get off the plane they're gonna start screaming at me that i'm a racist a school district in san diego held white privilege training for teachers in which they were told you are racist and asked to commit to becoming anti-racist in the classroom, according to a report. Well, they are racist. I'm sure if they're white, we all know that. The San Diego Unified School District began the sessions with instructors telling the faculty members that they will experience guilt, anger, apathy, and closed-mindedness because of their white fragility, according to the leaked document obtained by journalist Christopher F. Rudo. Wait for it, white boy Malcolm X. Wait for it. I see what you're doing over there. During the voluntary training, which is probably not voluntary, that teachers were taught about land acknowledgement and asked to accept that the U.S. was established on stolen Native American land. They also learned about the teachings of white fragility. <laughs> Told you to wait for it. 
author Robin D'Angelo and B. Anti-Racist, a journal of for awareness, reflection, and action by author Ibram X. Kent. And if you're like, well, who is Robin D'Angelo? Robin D'Angelo, folks, and I had this story a couple weeks ago. She's the one that runs around complaining about white privilege and then used her white privilege to get paid more than the black speaker at the same event. <laughs> so I guess if anyone knows about white privilege, it's Robin D'Angelo. So she's probably um, come in there because like, I, I know better. But can you imagine white boy Malcolm X having to <coughs> voluntarily attend one of these classes to be told you're a racist by Robin D'Angelo, you know, a course by Robin D'Angelo, who is as, as big a white supremacist as they come. Anyway, let's go back into this, this mess. After watching clips of the two authors, the trainers reportedly told the group that you are racist and upholding racist ideas, structures, and policies. The group was challenged to become anti-racist in the classroom, as well as confront and examine their white privilege and teach others to see their privilege according to the report. The training sessions come after the district vowed to become anti-racist amid nationwide protests against racial injustice, which began in the wake of the cop-involved killings of George Floyd, Ahmoud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor, blah, blah, blah. Earlier this year, the district underwent a major overhaul to its grading system as part of a larger effort to combat racial discrimination, the San Diego Union-Tribune reported. Data had revealed that there were significant disparities between the percentage of white and minority students who received D or F grades in the first semester of the last school year. While white students made up 7% of all D or Fs, black students accounted for about 20% and Hispanic students received about 23% of them, the paper reported. And that must be the fault of systemic racism. It probably has nothing to do with the fact that they might not, I don't know, do their homework or study. Can't blame that, can we? In an effort to prevent discrimination, the school board voted to eliminate non-academic factors like late work and classroom behavior in a student's grade. So there you go, folks. Tell your kid, do your homework, behave, study, get good grades. And you're racist. This is from The Hill. Alabama Sheriff's Office draws backlash over Christmas tree decorated with thug shots. And I already know that's racist because the word thug is code word for, for um, systemic racism. A sheriff's office in Mobile, Alabama, drew backlash from civil rights groups and from people online this week after it posted a photo on social media of a Christmas tree with Photoshop decorations of what it referred to as thug shots. We have decorated our tree with thug shots to show how many thugs we have taken off the streets of Mobile this year! Exclamation point. We could not have done it without our faithful followers, the office said in a caption accompanying the photoshopped image that posted on Thursday according to a local CBS station. The thug shots were reportedly photos of mugshots that it had gathered throughout the year. According to the Associated Press, the post attracted over 7,900 comments, the majority of which were criticized. The post also drew sharp criticism from local civil rights groups. The majority of people arrested for crimes struggle with mental illness and substance abuse issues. They need the community's assistance and care, not open scorn from leaders, Jaton Bosby, executive director of the American Civil Liberties Union of Alabama, said in a statement. Alabama NAACP President Robert Clapton also condemned the post in a statement, calling it inappropriate, shameful, disrespectful, despicable, disgusting, and embarrassing to the citizens of Mobile County. So I guess White Boy Malcolm X is kind of like the San Diego School District. 
you're not doing your homework, it's it's racism's fault. And if you're um, if you're a criminal, it's also not your fault. It's something someone else's fault. And we wonder why society is going to hell in the handbasket when nobody is forced to accept responsibility for their actions. If your homework's late, well, you're not going to get a D or an F anymore because that's racist. If you get arrested, we're not going to call you a thug because that's racist. And on and on and on. Oh, here's another school story. Because <laughs> San Diego is not going to is not alone in their in their crazy. This is from Fox News. Chicago Teachers Union deletes tweet claiming school reopening push rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny. God. Everyone's getting in on that racist card action. Man, that poor card is going to dissolve. While tweet was, oh, here's the subheadline. While tweet was deleted, the union retweeted a reply in support of the original tweet. That is one dumb union. The Chicago Teachers Union. <laughs> I rest my case, is facing swift criticism on social media Sunday after claiming in a now-deleted tweet that the push to reopen schools is rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny. So if you want your kid to go to school, you're a racist and a sexist. Damn, they went all out. One user replied to the tweet saying, some people really don't like doing their jobs. <laughs> like up here in Massachusetts, man, they are, some of these school districts, they are not going back to school. They're not going to deal with those kids. But they won't get paid. Folks, if, you, if you're if you in an area, like when I lived in, in uh, Colorado, my property taxes were really cheap. But up here, I mean, they gouge the crap out of you up here. But you're paying for good schools, in theory. Um, our tony little community, we have pretty good schools. Uh, they're, they're very highly rated. And we pay for it. We pay through the nose. and that. But that does help buttress the, the property values and whatnot. But you know, the schools are, I think they're virtual now because the, the ninnies are, are afraid to go into the buildings. Another user responded, then why are minority parents suing in California, saying virtual learning has left their children behind? You say you care about your students, but you clearly don't. Meanwhile, another Twitter user called to end public school unions, arguing they are destructive and undermining the education of our children. Yes, they've been doing that a long time. Look at New York. While the tweet has since been deleted, the union retweeted a reply in support of the original tweet. Following the backlash, the union issued a new tweet saying, Fair enough. Complex issue requires nuance and much more discussion. More important, the people the decision affects deserve more. So we'll continue to give them that. Appreciate the feedback of those truly in the struggle. No, they don't. This is from The Federalist, and here's the headline. BLM activists arrested for rioting. Man, white boy Malcolm X. That's something you don't see very often. (laughs) They actually arrested one. Man. BLM activists arrested for rioting now caught burning conservative library books. Chattanooga area, Chattanooga folks, what do we call it uh, in Atlanta? Chattaboogie. Chattaboogie area, Black Lives Matter leader Cameron C. Grimy Williams. I wonder if he's a breakdancer, White Bow Malcolm X. He has himself a nickname, who was arrested in July and charged with inciting a riot which hindered passage of an emergency vehicle, has now been placed on administrative leave from his library job for burning conservative books. Christina Sacco, a spokeswoman for the Chattanooga Public Library, told the Chattanooga Times Free Press on Friday that Williams, who served as a services coordinator, has been placed on a five-day leave. What do you want to make a bet? That's a paid leave. You know that. According to U.S. News & World Report, Williams posted a video on Instagram last week burning copies of books authored by Ann Coulter and President Donald Trump while blaring FDT by YG and Nipsey Hussle in the background. No idea who they are. A protest anthem of the left. 
So FTD by YG and Nipsey Hussle, White Boy Malcolm X. Whatever that song is, is a protest anthem. Sacco told the Times Free Press that library officials were told of another video destroying more books. So Cameron C. Grimy Williams, how dumb is he? He's so dumb he burns the books, he puts it on Instagram, gets himself in trouble. But C. Grimy, <laughs> C. Grimy has his side of the story, folks, and here it is. Williams decried the idea he did anything wrong claiming that he followed proper protocol and called whoever reported him a racist person. <laughs> Good job there, C. Grimey. It's a perpetuation of white supremacy and racism, Williams said. It's trying to hold back change. And you know who that reminds me? What did I say on, uh, it was, I think, Sunday, White Boy Malcolm X. We had the story, folks, of Beverly Chester Burton. And if you don't know who she is, she is the first black mayor of Shively, Kentucky. And she got drunk, allegedly, and got in her Cadillac and drove to the White Castle. (laughs) And she passed out in line at the White Castle in her Cadillac and then wound up wrecking the thing. And we're still trying to figure out if she actually got her White Castle or just ordered it and then just kind of wrecked on through (laughs) before she hit a pole. But I said at the time, I think what she needs to do is blame White Castle. Number one, you have to get drunk if you're going to eat that garbage anyway. (laughs) But the word white in White Castle, what had to do with white supremacy? (laughs) And obviously, see Grimey here. He's doing exactly what I suggested that Beverly do. He's just it's like, what about these books? Me burning these books? It's just a, it's white supremacy. To, I'm just burning books, and it's just white supremacy and racism. How dare you? And whoever called called on me and tattletailed, they're racist. <laughs> Beverly, if you're listening, use the race card. Everyone else has got to get in on that action. Several weeks prior, what, this guy, folks, he is all in for the struggle. Listen to this. Williams had led efforts to terrorize a local smokehouse after perpetuating false rumors of a donation to a Back the Blue rally. Folks, if you don't know what that is, if you say Blue Lives Matter, you're a racist. After the restaurant released a statement clearing up the confusion, Williams continued to push the rumors, declaring that a local joint, Shuford Smokehouse, was run by racists. So he's got one card and that's it. And if you think those are the only two times he's done this, listen to this. In the past, Williams has cheered for America's destruction, calling on his militant supporters to tear down property not black-owned while condemning Independence Day as racist. So Cameron C. Grimey Williams. And White Boy Malcolm X, Cameron C. Grimey Williams, the C. Grimey, he may not be a breakdancer. He may be a rapper. And, And the reason I know this is because I was at the New York Post website and I saw a headline and the headline was rapper a boogie with the hoodie arrested after raid at New Jersey home so I clicked on the article and I started reading it because I'm like this is the kind of dumpster fire article that belongs on the Miller Frost show but then it led me down this rabbit hole that the New York Post has an entire section on rappers and so I wanted (laughs) don't ask why I clicked on it I just did I'm Miller Frost that's what I do and because I thought, what kind of crazy is in here? But I, I just printed out the um, the headlines because I wanted to see all the rap names. Because C. Grimy, I'm like, that can't be the only one. So we got rapper, a boogie with the hoodie. And then I'm just going to read off a bunch of headlines and give you an idea of the flavor of the current rap star names in 2020. James Harden gifts Lil Baby a Prada bag filled with 100,000 K and honey buns. So Lil Baby, L-I-L. Rapper Casanova 
allegedly promoted gang ties with diamond-encrusted gorilla pendants. Well, that was nice of him. Rapper G. Herbo, I wonder what he smokes, arrested in fraud plot to buy high-end puppies, trips on jets. Top Dog rapper Lil Yace, 25, shot dead in California. So that that name, folks, Lil Yace or Yazzie, whatever, that's free. That's freed up. <laughs> so if you need a rap name, there you go. Boozy Badass. Damn. That would have been a damn good rap name for me, White by Malcolm X. I could have been Miller, Boozy Badass Frost. Parties hard for my wheelchair two weeks after getting shot. So if he goes, folks, Boozy Badass, that is my name. 21 Savage mourns brother who was reportedly stabbed to death in London. Jeezy reveals his one fashion mistake he will never live down. Killer Mike reveals which Atlanta artist he wants to work with next. Rapper Mo3 feared dead after graphic footage of fatal shooting emerges. Rich the Kid, that's a dumb name, kicked out of ritzy New York City hotel for allegedly trashing rooms. And rapper King Vaughn shot and killed near Atlanta nightclub. Oh, that's another name then. King Vaughn, folks, is also is also available and rapper oh, Mo3 is another one that is might be open if they I don't think I don't know if they found him alive or not. So that's what's the crazy in the rap community and that just shows my white supremacy. And that is the uh, those are the race stories. I don't know, White Boy Malcolm X. I just kept finding them. And I'm like, well, that's that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. So I just kept printing and printing and printing. I was slaughtering trees. Al Gore shed a tear and he didn't know why. This is from the Daily Wire. Vanderbilt players cried when Sarah Fuller kicked football 30 yards. <laughs> Mercy. And this is about that uh, that soccer chick that they, the kind of the symbolism thing they dragged around and put her on a football field. Female soccer goalkeeper Sarah Fuller was used as a filling kicker for the men's Vanderbilt football team last Saturday, booting the ball 30 yards in the opening kickoff of the second half. That kick apparently brought male players to tears from the sideline quarterback Mike Wright said. There were some people on the sideline tearing up, Wright said, in a segment for College Game Day. David Hookstead of the, at the Daily Caller mocked the PR stunt of a kick and the apparent <laughs> Well... David, they might have been crying because they're like, oh, Jesus Christmas, she can't kick a freaking football to save her life. <laughs> yeah, that was a sh- crappy return. During a post-game interview with ESPN reporter Courtney Cronin, Fuller revealed that she gave the Vanderbilt boys a halftime speech despite the athlete only practicing with the team since four days prior. If I'm going to be honest, I was a little pissed off at how quiet everyone was on the sideline, Fuller told Cronin via a Zoom call. Outkick reported, We made a first down, and I was the only one cheering, and I was like, what the heck? What's going on? And I tried to get them pumped up, and I was like, you guys need to start cheering your team on. My main thing was during the SEC tournament, my entire team was cheering the entire time, she continued. It didn't matter if we were in the locker room or if they were on the sidelines. I think that's what won it for us. Everyone was cheering nonstop. Yeah, that's what I want to hear is a bunch of soccer chicks. Like, shut up. Not closing their mouths. I just went in there and I said exactly what I was thinking, explained Fuller. I was like, we need to be cheering each other on. This is how you win games. This is how you get better by calling each other out for stuff. And I'm going to call you guys out. Well, that's probably why they were crying, white boy Malcolm X. They're probably, because guys can be, guys are generally, I would say they're a bit more 
stoic than, than women are. And they're probably crying because they're like, oh, my God, if we have to put up with this chick that doesn't shut her mouth. <laughs> this is like hell on earth. They want to play football. They want to be around a bunch of guys and play football. And they got this yappy chick. And they just want to kind of like hang out and chill out and watch the game. And typical, you try to watch a football game. And if you got a woman there, she doesn't know how to shut her freaking mouth. She just keeps talking. And these guys want to watch the game. And she just, yap, 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 yap. I'd cry too. I'm about to cry just reading that thing. Look, look, Sarah, shut the hell up. Just follow the lead of the guys on the team. They don't want to hear you yapping. Oh, man. Speaking of dopey football stories, this is from Yahoo Sports. And here's the headline. UNLV quarterback apologizes for eating sushi off nude model on reality TV show. And before we read the article, white boy Malcolm X. Look at that college stud. (laughs) I thought you'd like that. I thought you'd like that. UNLV starting quarterback Max Gilliam issued an apology Monday for eating sushi off a nude model while appearing on the reality television show Below Deck. Gilliam claims the sushi idea came from the show's producers. I would like to apologize for my poor judgment while on the TV show Below Deck and acknowledge that I have made a mistake that I will learn from. (laughs) So he's got the apology um, guidelines down pat. While it was not my idea nor any of my friends' ideas to eat sushi off a model, I should have exercised better judgment and declined the idea immediately when it was brought up by the producers, Gilliam said in a message posted on Twitter. According to the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Gilliam first appeared on the show in an episode that aired last month and was identified as a star quarterback at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. The show focuses on a group of crew members who work and live on a yacht and features the passengers aboard the boat. Gilliam was one of those passengers and appeared alongside a few friends and their girlfriends. I wonder if they shut up. Per the Review Journal, the first night after they board, the group requested the sushi to be laid out on a nude model. Do you want to hear more of this? This kid's a wimp. He's not a lead. Quarterbacks are supposed to be leaders and they're supposed to be men. And this one, somewhere along the way, lost his testicles. Want to listen to his apology, White Boy Malcolm X? Okay, here you go. Listen to this. This is not a reflection of my character or the way I was raised, nor a reflection of the culture of UNLV football. I would like to humbly move past this and focus my time and energy on our game against the University of Hawaii this weekend, Gilliam wrote. Man, that kid is a freaking wimp. He's a college kid. What is he, like 20, 21 years old? He gets to eat off a stripper. Uh, it's okay, kid. You'll be all right. We're doomed if this is the next generation, though. We are doomed. Man up. We should be like, hell yeah, I ate the sushi off the stripper. Screw you. That's what men do. Well, straight men, anyway. Oh, goodness. I just might as well just slam my head into this desk right now. I don't have one story on her, folks. I have two stories on the child rapist we have been reporting about, Tia Vincent. And if you're like, I didn't listen to any of your prior podcasts, Miller, first, shame on you. But second, I will give you the rundown because it's just a great story. So Tia is 32 years old. She has popped out three kids already, and she has sight of a soccer field somewhere near her house. And so she's eyeing up the soccer field and she's got these two teenage boys there and she's thinking, mm, 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 that looks delicious. So she goes sauntering down to the soccer field. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what she said, White Boy Malcolm X. She said that to herself. 
and she offers the boys some water. And the boys are like, oh, okay, we're thirsty. So they go back to the house. They get the water. They're talking at the kitchen table. The woman twists the, the, um, the conversation to sex. She picks one of the young studs there, <laughs> takes him upstairs and rides him for five minutes. Lo and behold, the child is 14 years old. And she's thinking, well, the, here, my excuse is, hey, he, I thought he was 16, <laughs> which to me is like no damn difference. But to this chick, and I guess to English law, there is a huge difference between having sex with a 14-year-old and having sex with a 16-year-old. And if you are a high school teacher listening to this podcast, calm down. I've already warned the officials in in Great Britain not to allow you in and not not to uh, allow you anywhere near a school to teach. But Tia, folks, Tia is, is getting her 15 minutes of fame in. And so here's the first of two stories on this one. And this is from the Daily Star. And here's the headline. Mum, 32, cleared of knowingly having sex with boy 14, set to open OnlyFans account. So you can go, you can see what that 14-year-old boy saw. A mum who was cleared of any wrongdoing after mistakenly having sex with an underage teenager has hinted she will branch into saucy image subscription service OnlyFans. Last week, 32-year-old Tia Vincent was found not guilty of sex crimes after she had intercourse with a 14-year-old boy as she believed he was over 16. That is so much better, I guess. She's 32 years old and she is a predator of teenage boys. Man, she should come here and teach. (laughs) She needs a job. She doesn't need to go to OnlyFans. She can just go teach down to the local high school. She can get all the, I don't know, I guess they're not 14 in high school, but she can get all the 16-year-old boys she wants. A jury cleared the mom of three after one hour and four minutes of deliberation with reports stating the fact that the boy had been found to have lied about his age online, backing up her defense that she had unknowingly engaged in sex with a child. The cleared mom has already stated she fears people will forever judge her as a sexual predator because, honey, you are due to the two-year nightmare of the case. I don't want people to think I'm a sexual predator. I just like to have sex with 16-year-old boys. 14-year-old? No, I don't like that at all. (laughs) The Sun reports that Ms. Vincent is now considering selling images of herself on subscription service OnlyFans, where users are able to explicit photos and videos of themselves for a fee. She is quoted telling followers on Instagram, I am thinking about doing an OnlyFans account. People already hate me. So much to lose. Mercy. That's one. That's one story about the child rapist. Here's the second one. This is from the UK Mirror. Mum, 32, cleared after having sex with boy 14, calls him a liar, an angry rant. Don't you love it when the rapists blame the victim? A mum who ended up on trial after having sex with a 14-year-old boy has posted a furious rant blaming the teen and claiming he lied about his age. Tia Vincent, 32, called the boy a liar and slammed stupid people who are judging her and spreading, wow, that's a horrible word, the see you next Tuesday word, about her after she was found not guilty of no, I guess people are calling her that. I just call her a child rapist. Anyway, let's let's reread that line. Tia Vincent, 32, called the boy a liar and slammed stupid people who are judging her and spreading see you next Tuesday about her after she was found not guilty of knowingly having sex with an underage boy. White boy Malcolm X, quick question for you. Do you believe she had no idea 
that that boy was as young as he was. Hell no, indeed. I'm done with reading. Tia, we all know you're just you're just a pervert and a and a child rapist. Embrace it, sister. Speaking of whores, and this is from the Daily Star. <laughs> and here's this headline. Man, oh man, God. Life is crazy. Highest paid sex worker in the U.S. sues state government for having no work during lockdown. The highest paid sex worker in the U.S. has started legal action after being unable to work since March because of the coronavirus pandemic. Alice Little, who works at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch in Mound House, Nevada. Well, that's an appropriate uh, name for a town. Says her job is psychologist, relationship coach, and sexpert all rolled into one. According to Irish Central, she can earn up to, listen to this white boy Malcolm X, $1 million annually and is the highest paid sex worker in the entire U.S. Damn. That is one highly used chick if she's pulling down a million bucks a year. She's either charging a lot or she's getting used a lot. And I think it's the latter. But despite the state of Nevada having legal brothels, they have remained closed since March 17th, despite the reopening of other close contact businesses, including spas, salons, and massage parlors, meaning Alice hasn't been able to find work. She has now filed a complaint and motion for a preliminary injunction against Nevada's government with regard to the arbitrary decision that has left legal sex workers financially devastated. I think what Nevada should do is what um, is what that school in Minnesota did was basically just said, just wear a mask. <laughs> you can do all the sex you want, but if you're going to, you can't kiss. You got to have the mask on so you can keep having sex. So I think poor uh, Alice Little, she just needs to convince Nevada to let her wear a mask. And here's the uh, highlight of the article. To support herself through lockdown, Alice has set up an OnlyFans account. So another one, folks. So she and Tia Vincent, can uh, you can go if you're interested. You can go see what that looks like online. Thank God I'm gay because I got no interest in that. Man, oh man, here's, here's the, this is this is so much better. We ended the Sunday show with the um, the rapey kangaroo. <laughs> That woman who claimed that she was wearing Serica Jessica Parker perfume and that rapey kangaroo stalked her. He was gonna like try to hump her, knocked her down, and was gonna gonna like get her, get her like a Tia Vincent with a with a teenage boy. I mean that was a rapey rapey kangaroo. But this is a much better story, and we're gonna end with the smoking gun. So folks, you know it's a good story. And here's the headline: More beer troubles for Bud Light Mike. And if I have to say so, folks. That is a damn good rapper name, Bud Light Mike. But he's white. <laughs> Look at this dope. I know. Freak. And here's the subheadline. Because, folks, let's face it, we're not ending this show unless we go to Florida. <laughs> Floridian 51 is again brought low by America's best-selling brew. Bud Light is freaking disgusting. It is the White Castle of beer. It is so foul. Well, well, yes, I drank it. <laughs> well, White Boy Malcolm X is bringing up. So there used to be at a bar in Denver when we lived there, they used to do a charity thing. And so every Sunday you could, it was all the Bud Light you could drink for like, what was it? Six bucks, eight bucks. And all the money went to, to charity. I mean, no one's going to pay more than that for all you can drink Bud Light. And so we would go, but hey, 
in my defense, I always drank like a couple like Estellas or Heinekens before because then, you know, after a couple beers, your mouth is kind of numb to the rancid acid taste of Bud Light. And so we go and have like a, at least I would, I'd meet you there sometimes and, and I would go and um, have a couple beers ahead of time. And then I would go drink the uh, all you can drink Bud Light for whatever it cost because that's the only way I could stomach it. But let's let's find out about Bud Light Mike, a convicted felon. Of course, it's Florida, folks, whose alias is listed as Bud Light Mike in police records was arrested Saturday after allegedly stealing a case of America's favorite beer court records show. And if this is America's favorite beer, you people are all crazy. That stuff is disgusting. According to Florida police, Michael Flipkowski swiped 24 cans of Bud Light from a public supermarket in Treasure Island. Flipkowski, 51, was subsequently arrested after being found in possession of 21 of the purloined cans. So he already had three of those puppies. Since Flipkowski's rap sheet includes multiple prior theft convictions, he was charged with a felony theft count. And that's got to be a first, folks, because I have never seen a felony charge in Florida. Like the DUI is like a misdemeanor in Florida. Every time we read a Floridian's rap sheet, no matter what they do, they're misdemeanors. Court records reveal how Flipkowski earned that handle. Are you sitting down? Because this is how he got the name Bud Light Mike. In April, he was convicted of stealing a case of Bud Light from a Wawa convenience store in Clearwater. He has twice been convicted of carrying an open container of Bud Light, once on the beach, once at a bus stop. He has also been convicted of stealing two 18-packs of Bud Light from a Speedway store. In 2016, Flipkowski was convicted after he could not pay for a Bud Light and a shot of Captain Morgan rum, so he doubled down on the foul at a hotel bar. And here's his rap sheet, folks, because this is the smoking gun. Flipkowski's rap sheet also includes convictions for trespass, drunk driving, battery on a law enforcement officer, disorderly conduct, probation violation. Resisting arrest, defrauding an innkeeper. Hold on, I got to get, take a breath. <gasps> Witness tampering, auto theft, cocaine possession, aggravated battery, leaving the scene of an accident, careless driving, disorderly intoxication, and violating a protective order. <laughs> Don't worry, folks, they're all misdemeanors in Florida. Bud Light Mike, if you are listening, what the hell, man? If you're going to steal beer, for Christ's sakes, steal something better than Bud Light. Be like Heineken Mike or Stella Mike or uh, Peroni Mike. Something something a little nicer than Bud Light. Man. That's it. I'm done. I can't, I can't top Bud Light Mike. And crap, White Boy Mike, we got to really do some digging uh, before Sunday. Because if I don't have anything better than Bud Light Mike, I don't know if I'm going to do the show. Anyway, folks. Hey, thank you for stopping in on, on our podcast midweek. Um, have a uh, have a great rest of your week, and I hope we will see you here again on Sunday. In the meantime, take care.
The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.